Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Stock Market Investing with the Armor Report. I'm Brett Rosenthal. Thanks for joining on Saturday. I created the Armor Report with the intention of bringing individual investors running their own capital a flow of professional information. What we're trying to do here is get rid of all the noise, all the things you hear on CNBC, and cut through that noise and make investing easy to understand and simple to execute. And the way we do that is we use what we call the Armor Investing Way. It's a three-stage process. So this show is not about barking and telling you what stocks to buy next week. This is about managing capital correctly over time, net worth following. Okay, and that three-stage process is to build our whiteboard of fundamental ideas. We'll go over some of those today. We use Armor algorithms to tell us when to add capital to, um, this, to, to our portfolio, when to add risk and when to subtract it. And I'll share that algo information with you today. And then of course, we marry all that with a stop loss discipline. The biggest difference between the individual investor and the professional money manager, and I've been doing this over 30 years, so I can say this with a fair amount of certainty, the biggest difference is that the professional knows how to cut losses and stay with successes. And the individual tends to do the opposite. So on this show every week and with Armor Insiders every day in our Slack room, we go over how to protect capital first, capture upside second. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to break down the volatility last week and what it really means from a bigger picture point of view. What really happened last week? We're going to go over ranges. Then we're going to talk about what we think is going to happen next week. Not that I know what's going to happen, but what we think the scenarios are. And what we like to do here is read and react. We get the scenario. This is the way we're going to go. I'm going to share with you all what our thoughts are um, in that regard. Then what we'll do is we'll break down the top shelf of our whiteboard. So that's stage one of investing. You don't just find a name you love and buy it. You find a name you love, you put it on the whiteboard, you do research on it, you wait for the right risk on entry point. So when the market goes through volatility like this, it really helps us see the cream rise to the top. We call it top shelf, right? Top shelf where mom keeps the cookies. That's, those are the stocks we want to own, okay? So we're going to go over some, what some of those names are that we'll have our eye on to invest in going forward if the market gives us the chance. And then we're going to round it out with a discussion of cannabis, all right? We've got a major change in the armor portfolios, and I want to share it with you and tell you what we're going to do going forward. And there's a little bonus in there. I'm going to share with you the name of a company we've just begun doing a lot of research on. We're not buying it here. It's time for you to do due diligence on it. That's what I want to share with you today. So you can start doing the research so you understand as the stock starts to behave whether or not you want to be a part of it. Okay? So I'm going to get to all of that. Before I dive in, don't forget, I'm sharing information that I use to manage my own personal capital. I'm not telling you what to do. I don't know you. I couldn't possibly tell you what stocks to buy. It would be downright um, inappropriate for me to say, here are the top five stocks. Go buy them next week. I don't know your risk tolerance. 
I don't know what your portfolio looks like. I couldn't possibly do it. And if anybody's doing that, if people are telling you what stocks to buy, be very wary, okay? What we're doing here is talking about a process to get you on the right side of probabilities over and over again when reward is worth risk. And if you execute that process, don't look at your P&L. Execute that process, and over time, your net worth will follow, okay? So let's dive in. Um, I want to start with a quick review, a quick comment about the indexes. I always start there. To begin, let's take a picture. Let's look at the picture first of the S&P, okay? So the big picture of all the volatility last week, while it looks ugly on an intra-week basis, and certainly the volume down here was, you know, uh, very unfortunate because it was huge, okay? But all it did was drive the S&P right to the 50-day moving average, still above the bottom of the Andrews fork. Um, to say that what happened last week is anything other than another test of the 50 would be, um, I think, inappropriate. It would be people trying to guess what's going to happen next instead of reading and reacting to what is happening. What happened was a simple pullback right to the 50-day at the moment. There was a lot of volume back here the last time the market pulled back to the 50. Okay? So in, in, in the effort to make stock market investing easy and simple to execute, step one is the market traded in an expected range last week. Volatility spiked. The range was big. But at the end of the day, the S&P's trading between 3,800 and 3,900. It popped up to 3,950, came right back to 3,900. This week, it got driven down to 3,800. And we're looking at the um, S&P uh, ETF, SPY. And so in this case, we're looking at um, 380. Okay? So let's go back and look at this is what we're looking at now here. So this chart obviously is a daily chart. Each, each bar is one day. Blue bars are positive. Magenta bar is negative. Okay? So now we're looking at an intraday chart where each bar is three minutes. And so here are the lines of demarcation. So this is each day, right? We've just put it under a microscope. This is Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, right? Monday, one, two, three, four, five. All right. So what happened was the market traded between Really, if you look at the top here, right around the top, and you can see this purple line here is a major area of resistance using spot gamma information. And I can draw this right down into here, into the 380 area, okay, which is right here, okay? The market is literally trading within a range. It's not pleasant. It was kind of ugly the last couple of days of the week. But to wrap up this thought, until it literally breaks below 3,800 on the S&P, you're just in a range. Now, let's look at the other armor. The armor portfolios, I have three portfolios. One's the index only, okay? That index only drives all of our risk decision into swing and invest portfolios. That index only uses algorithms designed for the top seven indexes. The S&P, the NASDAQ, the small cap, the Dow, the momentum index, the IBD 50, and the, uh, and the value index, okay? So if you just look at the S&P, I would say to you, I would submit to you, it's just a trading range 
a lot of volatility. Now we're going to look at two of the seven, and you'll see what's really happening. There's rotation inside of the S&P that creates massive volatility. If that volatility subsides next week and we go back above and to and through the 3,900 level, then all we're seeing is rotation. And that could create air pockets. It could create volatility. But once the rotation's in full swing, you can see markets go higher again. So take a look. Okay. So the S&P is all of the indexes. Now let's drill down and look at the momentum index. Okay, this is an index that we've been invested in for quite some time, going back through November, okay, for the Armour Index-only portfolio right in here, all right? Drove higher, and we got stopped out of this position right here, okay? Actually, this morning. It was in the morning. We exited this position. We had a three-bar reversal. One, two, three. This is a daily chart. This is the Momentum Index. All of your favorite names, your Teslas of the world, okay? That's massive rotation out of the leadership of 2020. So write this down, okay? Grab a pen, piece of paper. Just try to make this simple. The big picture overall S&P hasn't given a sell signal. There's nothing to do yet. If we go below 3,800 next week and close below it, chances are, Armor portfolios would be 100% cash, which is what happened February 24th of last year, okay? That's a rarity, though. It's a rarity that everything gets stopped out at once. That was a pandemic rarity. So what may happen in this market if we're going through rotation is a rolling changing of the Armor Index portfolio, where we raise cash and we're focused now on small caps, value, and Dow, because that's where money's flowing. So take a look. While you see this in, you know, pretty ugly implosion here in the momentum index, take a look at the value index. What's value done, other than have a reversal, of course, on Thursday? It's above the 25-day moving average, the 50-day moving average. It's in a stout uptrend showing no signs of weakness. I mean, the market can always have a down day, okay? It's tight in its base. So where money is flowing is out of the big cap stocks that we all know and love into new names that are more value-oriented. Another way of saying that is economy reopening names. Don't get hung up on what valuations are. What we're really saying is economy reopening commodity super cycle type of names are seeing a flow of capital as money comes out of the leadership. What we don't know, this is one of my least favorite markets to invest in. Okay. I'm a momentum investor at heart. I believe that leadership is important and the leadership is the technology, the disruptive growth, the, um, accelerated growth, the William O'Neill style of investing. That's where I like to be, okay? So this is why one of our favorite indexes to follow is um, the IBD 50, IBD Innovator 50, okay? And it had just a, a god-awful week but closed above the 50-day moving average. And actually it was up on Friday, which is interesting, okay? So to wrap up this segment, 
what we saw last week is normal volatility, although bigger than we're used to, inside of a normal range for the S&P with rotation out of momentum into more value-oriented stocks, which I'd rather call economy-reopening commodity-type stocks. Okay? I'll highlight one group for you that looks like it's attracting a lot of capital, which is hard to believe, and that's energy stocks. Okay? Really interesting. Ending penance, breaking out. These stocks have already doubled from the bottom, all right? But these are strong uptrends, having shown no real signs of weakness last week. Okay? Who would have thought that Democrats controlling Washington would be good for traditional energy stocks? But it is. I'll tell you why. Here's a simple thought on this issue. EV is great, but EV is not realistic for probably the next five to ten years when it comes to taking over blah, 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 and replacing everything, right? And between now and then, the collapse in the price of energy has dramatically collapsed the amount of exploration and production. And so between now and a full EV economy, which probably at least 10 years away, you're going to have rise in energy prices because you don't have enough <laughs> energy. We went from a glut to an, a collapse in uh, and this is true across the board in commodities, exacerbated by the pandemic. Mines shut down, wells shut down, all these types of things. So you've got commodity prices that are bottomed and are starting to go up. You've got supply and demand in favor of these companies, not just energy companies, base metal companies, precious metals companies, okay? And you've got a proliferation of paper currencies, 1.9 trillion stimulus package. And I just read today some other ridiculous stimulus packages in the works with a two in front of it. I don't know what they're talking about in Washington, D.C. All right, I digress. So what we want to watch next week is, number one, does the market break below uh, 3,800 on the S&P in an aggressive way? And so that would mean that while there might be rotation, the, the the, the destruction going on in leadership is so ugly, the whole market's going lower. So we won't be rotating our portfolio anywhere. We'll be holding cash. But if the market stabilizes here at 3,800, starts to go higher, I submit to you that you're going to want to look for economy reopen, co commodity type investments with strong relative strengths that are driving the market. Now, will there be some tech stocks that I'll own? Absolutely. I'll get to that in a minute. We're going to go over our whiteboard and I'll share some ideas with you. But those are my thoughts right now. So how are we going to trade? How are we going to handle um, next week from a swing and, and investing and day trading strategy? First of all, Armour Portfolios have the largest cash position we've had in the index-only portfolio in quite some time, more than 30%. Okay. Armor portfolios invest in swing are in about 70% cash right now. That's probably too much cash if the market holds the 3,800 level. All right, so a lot of positions got driven out of the portfolio because we have stops and we'll rotate them back into new names if the market holds up. Okay. So, what we'll look for Monday morning on a day trading level is I want to see a test, 
And let me just take a quick look at this um, with you all. Let's talk about the close on Friday. Okay, this is this is a bogus this is a bogus close right here. Okay, bogus is a technical term. <laughs> okay, don't I don't fear this close at all. In fact, I actually like this close. Okay, what you're seeing here is the market plummeted in the last um, three, six, nine, twelve minutes of trading, right down to the 38, uh, uh, 380 level on the SPY. Okay. That means nothing to me. In fact, typically when you get that type of action at the end of the day, Friday, markets are higher on Monday. I, what I hate is the action where it runs up in the last 15 minutes and then you end up, you know, reversing and imploding. So th this is just shenanigans right around closing behavior. It really means nothing to me. What I want to see in the morning from a day trading standpoint is I want to see the S&P trade above prior day's VWAP, which will be 382.42, okay? So maybe it opens higher, pulls back, and tests the level. And when the S&P goes above, Friday's VWAP and the top day, Armor VWAP, okay? We'll start buying stocks, and we'll use the 380 level as our stop. So... Armor Insiders, of course, I'll be sharing this with you at 8.30. We'll have our morning meeting. And anybody who's a subscriber to the Armor Day Trading Room, okay, I'll be sharing this screen with you for the first couple hours of the day, setting up our day trades. And the, what we're going to do first is look to trade the S&P. When volatility spikes like this, I shift from looking to buy individual names to buying the indexes. I have a lot of cash, the quickest and easiest thing to do. I might put 50% of my capital to work in the Qs and the S&P on the right day trading setup, which will be the markets trading above Friday's VWAP and above the top day, which would be Monday's VWAP. If we get that setup, I'll be putting money to work in the indexes first, and then I'll be looking for individual names because we could have a very strong day Monday, a rip right back up towards 3,900. And it would be nice to make some money on that. Okay. The market just opens gap up and runs probably don't do anything. I want to see where it closes. I'll, I'll, I might buy weakness during the day at the, at the, at the VWAP. If I think the market's going higher. Okay. I may do nothing and look to buy weakness Tuesday morning. Okay. So it really depends on what we're getting in the market of how we're going to invest next week based on the open. And I'll be sharing that information as it's happening on the Armor Day Trading Desk. Okay? So let's shift over to – I'm going to get to your questions as soon as I'm done here. Let's just let's shift over real quick to what's at the top of our whiteboard. I'm looking for stocks that are outperforming on a relative strength standpoint. Pinterest is a great example, one of my favorite names. Now, I, I sold Pinterest, okay? I, I stepped out of Pinterest. When I see the IVD50 breaking down – and I see uh, the triple Qs breaking down, and I see the momentum index breaking down, I book profits everywhere. Then I wait to see how the market's behaving, and I'm more than happy to buy Pinterest back if it holds above the 50-day. And I'll tell you what, I'll put a bigger position size on Pinterest. If I go back at it, it'll probably be twice the size that it was in my portfolio to begin with because it's proved to me 
that it's the relative strength leader. Okay? So I'm looking for ideas like that. If I'm going to do big tech, if I'm going to do disruptive growth, I want stocks that are above the 50-day and are outperforming. Look at what Pinterest is doing compared to the momentum index. Pinterest is doing this while momentum is doing that. Okay? So Pinterest is clearly having a, a relative strength breakout versus the momentum basket that it's in. How about Snap? Same exact story. Huge update, gave back a couple bars above all key moving averages. You could argue with me, Brett, why'd you sell them at all? Here's my answer for you. And this is going to tie into my cannabis discussion in a minute. The minute you fall in love with a fundamental story, the minute you fall in love with it and you refuse to sell it because of a fundamental story, you've already taken a step in the direction of destroying your capital. Okay? Nothing is sacred in my portfolio except for my net worth. That's what's sacred in my portfolio. The amount of money we made in the last 12 months, actually 11 months, right? The end of March, is unreal. I've been doing this over 30 years. <clears throat> I can tell you with an absolute certainty that I've never made that kind of money in 30 years. I never made that kind of money in one year, in 11 months. It, it was insane. And I'm sure a lot of you feel the same way. But if you haven't been doing this as long as I have, if you've been only doing this three or four years, and you think this is how investing is, I'm so worried for you. It, it literally keeps me up at night. I, I'm, I'm trying to help all of you. And, and I think sometimes it makes you... Some of you might get annoyed. You just want to keep making money. Why does he want to talk about protecting it? And it's because I've been here so many times before, and I want to save you the pain I've lived through. Do we make money as it keeps going up? Absolutely. I'm not the guy telling you the market's overvalued. Go to cash. Okay? Those guys are fools. And please, don't quote me. Don't quote me some guy who called the top last week. First of all, we don't even know if the top is in. Second of all, if you're going to quote that guy, some brilliant guy who's come up with valuations and why the market's going down, if you're going to quote that guy, you better go back and look at what he said over the last 12 months. Did he make any money in the market explosion? Did he call the top six months ago and has been wrong for six months? I mean, a broken clock, right? But those broken clocks, man, they scream at the top of their lungs when they're right twice a day. You know, nobody remembers how many wrong calls they've made all the way up. Now, if you tell me, Brett, I'll give you an example. Everybody loves Kathy Wood right now. The ARC Fund, she's making a fortune and good for her. But what would really impress me is if Kathy comes out and says, I'm selling all these stocks, they've topped, I'm going to cash, and then the market goes down. Okay? If Kathy Wood comes out and says, I can't buy these anymore, I'm going to have to you know, change my portfolio structure or whatever, 
I might listen to her because she's made so much money on the way up that if she decided there was something wrong with the stocks she's investing in and she's raising a lot of cash, that would matter to me. But if you want to quote somebody on Zero Hedge to me who's been talking doom and gloom for 12 months, it's a waste of all of our time. I've digressed. Let's move on. All right. Back to my picture of stocks that I have an interest in. How about Twitter? Okay, these are massive relative strength winners. So I'm not buying these stocks up here, right? I'm not telling you to buy these stocks. I'm just saying I'm making a list. I'm going over my whiteboard, and we're building a list at the Armour Report of the top of the whiteboard type of names. I'll tell you what, Ford's going to be on that list. I know it sounds crazy, but Ford's going to be on that list. Guess what? GM's going to be on that list. Want to know why? Here's a simple reason. You ready for this one? This is crazy. Ford, GM, I don't care about these stocks. I never cared about these stocks. You know why I never cared? Because generally there's a glut of vehicles on the market. There are these pictures of vast parking lots. Remember those pictures? Of new cars nobody could sell. Well, after a pandemic, after a collapse in commodity production, after a collapse in semiconductor production, now this is interesting, new cars by Ford and GM can't get to the lot until June, July, August. And so they're drawing down inventory. This is interesting. One of our Armour insiders is a mayor of a town in Tennessee. You know who you are. I think you might be on today. Thanks for your comment. You gave me a call this week. And you said you always buy every year, you know, 20 different trucks from, um, um, who was it, Chevrolet. You know, you have a corporate, you know, um, connection and you, you buy these vehicles. This year, you couldn't buy any Chevys. They literally can't get you the Chevys until late August because there's not enough semiconductor chips to make the, the trucks. And so you're buying Ford because that's what's in the lot. Okay. So it's, that's not why I'm buying Ford stock. But what I'm saying is all that inventory is being drawn down, and it takes a while for semiconductor companies to shift their line, their production line, to make low-end, low-margin auto semiconductor chips. They're all fo- focused on 5G fat-margin products. So you get the supply and demand relationship for auto companies shifting. And instead of seeing deals that are coming out, 5000 off this truck, 10000 off that truck, all of a sudden the deal is going to be 1500 off this truck, 2000 off that truck. And all of that extra capital drops to the bottom line of these companies. That's an interesting idea to me. That's an example of econ reopen, value play, risk reward being in line. I like that story, right? So these are names on the whiteboard. We're not buying them yet, but these are some of the names on the whiteboard. Um, Some different names than you're used to, all right? It makes me want to buy chip companies. NVIDIA had a blowout quarter, and the stock went down. If the market writes itself and the S&P stays above 3,800, this has got to be the very top of my list. And how about shares of Micron? Micron doesn't even know the market's going down. It doesn't know semiconductors are going down. I'd love to get a shot at Micron. I'm not paying for it up here, 
I'm just sharing with you what's at the top of my whiteboard. Now let's shift over to cannabis and I'll get your questions. Um, major announcement. I have the absolute smallest amount of cannabis exposure in my portfolios at this time. And that number is zero. Zero. Stopped out. Let's look at why. Okay, MSOS. We added MSOS down here. The stock skyrocketed, went all the way up to here. Our stop was raised to a low of this bar. Okay, we waited. It broke down. This day was a day that really disturbed me. This was um, Friday, Thursday. This is Tuesday. Okay. Tuesday morning, there was a 15% collapse in YOLO, and the stock was halted. That's right here, okay? 15% collapse in the price of YOLO for really no reason, and the stock was halted, then it closed up here. I was willing, actually, I cut positions down that day, okay? Whenever an asset gets halted and I can't trade it, the risk has gone through the roof. And the reward's not worth it. And my job is to get on the right side of risk and reward when probabilities are right. Okay? So right then I cut my position in half. When they reopened YOLO and MSOS, I cut them in half. I don't know why they're behaving like that. And I'm not going to sit around and try to figure it out. I protect my capital first. Capture upside second. Okay? So what we see is a blow-off top. This is the fourth standard deviation above the 200-day, okay? It blew out in our swing portfolios. Every time we hit the fourth standard deviation above the 200-day, the object is to book some profits. And we're going to recommit ourselves to that going forward in the swing portfolio. When it hits right here that day, profits should have been booked, 25%, 30%, 50%. Okay. So now what's happening is these stocks have to retrench. They might make a nice big pennant. They might come back down to the top of this base and consolidate on the 50-day. I don't know what they're going to do. But until the next chart pattern develops, like right here, this was a nice cup and handle pattern. We didn't have any YOLO in the portfolio until right there, and we bought a bunch of YOLO, and the thing skyrocketed, and we booked our profit. I'll wait for the next setup. Here's my favorite Canadian name, Canopy Growth. That is a classic blow-off top, okay? So it blew off. It reversed. We had a small position on a core position. We reduced the position size. I think it was pretty sure we did it on this big down day right here. So it was a blow-off reversal. On this three-bar reversal, which is like a classic blow-off top, we exited um, our aggressive positions, had a core holding. And then as this thing dropped down here, I said, I'm not holding it past the 50. That, it was a small core holding that we bought originally all the way down here. All right. So we're out of canopy growth. It's now below the 50 day. I don't need to own it. Okay. Afria looks a little bit better. Let's see if it can make a pennant formation. Village Farms. These are names at the top of my whiteboard. I can't wait to buy them again. But for right now, I don't need to hold the risk. Okay? So on the cannabis couch, what I'm saying to you is we just had a huge run. It was a beautiful ride. There's a couple reasons why I've raised cash. 
Number one, clear and obvious reversal patterns. The only people who can't see it are those of us who are blind to the fact because we're in love with cannabis. And that's a very dangerous place to be. I might buy cannabis stocks back next week. Okay. I might get a setup next week and buy them back. But first I have to recognize something went wrong off of that ridiculous blow off top. No thanks to Reddit. Okay. I really don't like that type of behavior and it ruins chart patterns. And we have to wait for a whole new setup. I'd much rather grind higher at a 45 degree angle than hyperbolic moves at a 90 degree angle that ruin the chart patterns. And we have to start all over again, looking for the next setup. Okay. So what do I do now? I'm going to share with you a bonus idea. And let me reiterate. Number one, I'm not buying the stock yet. Number two, I'm not telling you what stocks to buy. I don't know your risk tolerance. So I don't know if this is right for your portfolio. But I'm going to share with you a quick story on this stock. I'm starting to do research on it. It may be a position in my portfolio at some point. Of course, Armor Insiders, I'll let you know when we're buying it. So while I'm out of these stocks right now, MJ is a classic, massive three-bar reversal. Okay? I'm afraid if you can't see that and admit to that, you're not being honest with yourself. Oh, I forgot to tell you the other reason why I'm doing it. So there's a couple of reasons why I've sold. Number one, the chart patterns look awful and they've been busted. Number two, every cannabis company, brother, are raising cash now through dilutive equity offerings. In an environment like that, the best case scenario is that the stocks consolidate for X amount of weeks building the next base, going to new highs. The worst case scenario is if you go into a bear market or a market correction or whatever, all of that excess dilution breaks the back of the stocks and they go down. I saw Canopy Growth announce a shelf, which means they haven't done an offering yet, but they've set it up so they can do an offering. Why would Canopy Growth need to do an offering? That's one reason why I like to own Canopy Growth they got billions of dollars of cash in the balance sheet and Constellation backing them up. Why are they doing an offering? They're not doing an offering yet, but they're getting themselves ready. I don't know. Maybe it's because when the U.S. market opens, Canopy wants to make some massive acquisitions, which would be great for the space, but I don't necessarily want to own Canopy growth stock. I got to rethink my process. Maybe I want to own all of the U.S. cannabis companies individually, my favorite names. So we're doing research on those fit, what are the names we want to own? And I might shift from owning MSOS and YOLO into owning the individual names that I think are um, top shelf names that would eventually be acquired, okay? Or even if they're not acquired, they're just the dominant players. Okay, so here it is. Grab a pen, piece of paper, write this down, do your own homework on this. Okay, you ready? C-E-R-A-F, Cirrus Acorp. This is a SPAC. Holy smokes, I can't believe I'm saying this because I never, ever invest in SPACs. Okay? 
But this company, go do your own homework, please. Go read the, the, um, the press release. This SPAC is, is taking over Parallel, which will allow Parallel to go public through the SPAC process. Parallel started out as a company called Certera Wellness. I live in Florida. Um, first of all, before I get to the story, so Parallel was started by, um, you know, Wrigley's Gum. Okay, so the Wrigley's Gum Air started this company combined with a number of musicians and, you know, famous people that are all part of this process when it first got started. There's a lot of smart people running the company. There's a lot of uh, high-profile people involved in the company, okay? So I'm not going to push this. I'm, I'm not pushing this idea. I don't even own it yet. So I'm just sharing this idea with you to do research. I'm going to share with you an anecdotal story now. But go look at who runs the company and what they're doing. They're not going to combine until sometime in the summer. So there's time for us to do research, work. You don't even have to buy it right away. Let it combine. Let it start trading. Look for a chart pattern. Who knows? I might wait six months before I buy the stock. I don't know. But let me just tell you this, and I'll get to your questions. So I live in Florida. I've been to a number of dispensaries in Florida. True Leaf, Green Thumb, Cureleaf, um, Certera Wellness, okay? In fact, True Leaf is headquartered in Tallahassee. And in May of 2019, I drove to Tallahassee and I sat down with Kim Rivers and I had a four-hour conversation with her. Trying, and, and what she did for me then was really help me understand the entire business on a granular level. It was a, it was a great meeting. Um, and this was back when nobody wanted to talk to anybody in the space. Um, so I sat down with her. I had a great meeting. That was the top in the stocks. They all dropped 50% from there in March, if you remember, May of of 2019. I didn't buy the stock. Okay. I was out market, the whole thing imploded, but the conversation I had with her really helped me. And this is one thing I took away from this. I want to share with you this one piece of information. So as you invest in cannabis companies, this is a very important piece of information for us cannabis companies. The most important focus as you're valuing these companies, trying to figure out what's at the top shelf for you, it's not how many stores they have open. It's the grow. It's the grow. How much grow do they have for the stores they have open? So when you go into certain dispensaries, they might look great, but they've got nothing on the shelf. So there are some US MSOs who run around the country opening a bunch of stores and don't have the grow to really build a clientele. What happens is you go to their store, you get a product one week, the next week you go or the next month you go, product's not there, they don't have the grow, they couldn't get it, you have to buy what's on the shelf, and that's a terrible buyer experience. So the reason True Leave has been the number one company in Florida is because Kim, who understood the business, built the grow first. Then when she opened up, I think it's 75 stores in Florida now, you can always get product 
at True Leaf. You can go to True Leaf and the shelves are stocked. The grow matches the store growth. And I say always. I mean, they're always selling out and then new grows coming in. Okay? So it's the grow and the store growth. Sertera Wellness, which is the second largest by volume cannabis dispensary in Florida. People don't know this. They're the second largest, and they're catching up to True Leave in a hurry, which all has to do with grow, okay? If you go into a Sertera Wellness, it is, without a doubt to me, positioning itself as the Starbucks of cannabis. That's the feeling. That's the experience when you go into that store. It's different than going into True Leaf. I would say True Leaf is for the professional stoner. And Sertera is for the um, the professional who doesn't want to be a stoner. Okay, so Tara's for the professional who doesn't want to be a stoner. True Leaves for the stoner who is professional. He's a professional stoner and he wants all different kinds of product. Give me Shatter. Give me Keef. Get all these different things. Oh, and I want all these. Di- and that's great. And there's a whole market for that. But there's an upscale market for the professional who wants to enjoy cannabis or has a medical need for cannabis but doesn't want to feel the dispensary feeling. You go into a Sertera Wellness and it literally feels like you're in a Starbucks. And I think that has legs. And when I walked out of that store, I don't know, it was eight months ago, I picked up the phone and I called, I was talking to my dad about this. And we, we, we do analysis together. We do research together. And I told my dad, if this company ever comes public, this is the number one stock to own. This is just my opinion. I, I don't know if I'm going to be right. But I'm just, I'm just saying that the feeling in the store and the grow behind it. So every time I go there, there's always product. And the ease of use of understanding the product, like they've, they've, they've created an experience for the professional wants to use cannabis. It, it's so easy. You go in and the experience is great. I think that, along with the growth facility of Sertera, makes that a number one company when it comes public. So I'm starting to do research on it. Now, let's get to your questions. Thanks for giving me your time. What do you got for me? All right. Um, first question. Back up the truck on X, uh, but minor house of pain. Net good or crowd? All right, Mark, let's take a look at um, X. I, I really liked X, and then I had to sell it in that very next day. So, look, no matter how great, and this is important to everybody listening to this, okay? No matter how great an idea, I don't care. Like the fundamental story on Ford that I just went over with you, it doesn't mean I hold the stocks that they go down below the low of the day I bought them. The low of the day I buy something is my first stop, and it's my best stop, okay? So we put a position on um, – at the beginning of the day, we bought U.S. Steel and it popped. We were up whatever percent we were up that day. I think 6%. It opened higher the next morning and imploded. So by the end of the day, Thursday, I'm 100% out of that position. 
with a loss, but a small loss, right? Because we had gains, gave back the gains, and we were cutting the position as it imploded, and we had a small loss in the position. All right, so be it. I'll put U.S. Steel back on the list, and I'll start watching for another entry point. Okay? Um, I don't know if you're asking me about net, N-E-T. Um, I don't like the chart pattern, so net looks like the momentum stocks, and I can't do that. CrowdStrike is a company I love, and it's holding the 50, and it would probably go in the category of a Pinterest and a, and a snap for me. So it goes on the whiteboard. Brett, hello. Uh, a question about stop losses. How much the price should go down, should go below your stop loss target for you to close the trade? For example, if SL is 95, would you sell it? Oh, okay. That's a good question. Well, SL is not a – I don't know what you're asking me there because SL is – I don't know what that symbol is. But – oh, stop oh, stop loss is 95. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, every stock is different, but what you're asking me about is what's called an offset in my business. What's the offset? If 95 is the stop, I, there's always an offset. Could be $0.03, cents, could be $0.10. Cents. It depends on the volatility of the asset and the bid-ask spread. So if I'm trading a $300 stock with a 20 cent bid ask spread, I generally will give a 10 cent offset. You could even argue a 20 cent offset because I'd like to see the ask below my stop. I don't want to see the asset straddling my stop. You with me? But if I'm trading something with a 2 cent spread, between the bid and the offer, let's say that $95 stock you're talking about has a $0.02 cent spread, then I might give it a $0.04 cent <clears throat> offset. It has to go below $95 by $0.04. Cents. The bid and offer are below it, yeah, uh, um, the stop, and I'll take the position out there. But it's a, it's a fluid discussion. There's no simple answer to it. I've done exhaustive, exhaustive algorithmic analysis to come up with the one right answer. And there is none. It depends on the volatility in the market. It depends on the volatility of the stock. And so it's a fluid thing. And um, all I can say is look at the big offer spread to make sure you're not just being straddled and taken out when it really hasn't gone below it. So I like to see the offer. Let's put it that way. Number one, the offer is below my, my, my stop. Okay, that's one thing you can do. Number two, what type of asset is it? If it's a small cap stock with wild volatility, I'll give it a bigger offset. If it's, you know, I don't know, Apple or Microsoft, I'll give it a tighter offset. Okay, so those are my thoughts there on stop losses. All right. Uh, Mark, how are you? Testarossa, you changed your name. I love it. Um, all right. Good morning. Good um, morning. Quirrell Hollow, how are you, Stephen? Nice to see you. When looking at the weekly chart of the Qs, there's a gap down. Usually gap theory, would you, um, would you expect the gap to get filled? All right, let's look at the Qs. Well, first thing I would say is gaps don't always get filled. So if you're looking at this gap up here and say the market has to go up there and close the gap, I don't really, um, I don't really believe in gaps having to be filled. That doesn't really work for me. Because there's a lot of gaps I could show you on the chart that never got filled. And when did they actually end up getting filled? Like right, how about right here? 
Here's a gap up in the NASDAQ. And if you said, well, I don't want to buy the NASDAQ because it has to fill the gap, you would have missed the entire run. It never filled the gap. All right now, if this thing comes all the way down here and fills the gap and you tell me, well, the gap got filled, that doesn't help us make money. So that doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, even here, this gap down didn't get filled. Don't tell me it ended up getting filled here. It didn't. I mean, it, it gapped down and it never went up and closed the gap. It just sold off and it didn't go back up to those highs for a couple months. So when we see the gap down here, there's nothing in my mind that says the NASDAQ has to go back and fill it. Okay. And if it does happen, it, 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 to me, it's just coincidence. There's no statistical significance to that. All right. What do you think about uh, precious metals now? Well, I tried them again last week, and the only stock that I held through the melee was um, Sprott Physical Silver. It stayed above the 50-day moving average. I'm staying with Sprott for right now. I might even double that position if it breaks out next week. I think there's a move coming in silver. Okay, Every other commodity is going through the roof. I don't believe they're going to be able to keep silver down. It's an industrial commodity, and there's the same... Um, supply problems with silver as there are with copper and steel and, and um, um, zinc and all these other things. So I know there's manipulation in this market, but I think eventually the bulls are going to win here. There's a pennant forming. Silver is going to break out. So my thought is I want to own PSLV. I'm going to, we were, we were in um, uh, Sprott, um, excuse me. We were in the ETF SILJ and got nailed out of it right here when it reversed. So we were out of SILJ on the 25th, and then it went lower on Friday. But if it holds up in here, okay, I'm, I'm going to look for my next entry point. Pan American, probably the best way to play it. Pan American actually looks better. I'd like to own Pan American again. And we made money in Pan American, actually. We bought that thing down here. It went up. Well, no, we bought it here on this day. And it skyrocketed 6%, reversed here, and we sold it. On Thursday, booking a profit in that. Then it went lower back to the 50-day moving average. On bottom line, I have more interest in buying silver than gold. If I can make money in silver, then I'll start buying gold. Um, and here's um, GLD. I mean, GLD is breaking down. That looks god-awful. That looks god-awful. I can't believe it. I don't believe it. And I guess what I'll have to do is, well, maybe I'll do a, you know, precious metals uh, video for you guys at some point in the future where all we do is talk about precious metals and update that story again. But suffice it to say for this brief moment, between now and June, there's a lot of shenanigans going on. After June, there's an event taking place that I believe will set the bottom in gold between now and then, and you'll start to see gold going up after June. And I can't get into it right now. It's too long a story. I'll do it on another video. Okay. Next question. How long do the value trends usually last historically? I've heard people warn of value trap. The same people who warn about a value trap probably warn that you can't buy, you know, stocks because they're, you know, they're, they're too high. I mean, again, make sure whoever you're listening to who's warning about something doesn't just chicken little everything. That's my first thought. Second of all, um, there's no predicting how long it'll end. So I'll just put capital to work in what I think are the right value names. If they break down, I get out. If they keep running, I make money. The Armour Report's not about predicting the future or guessing what's going to happen. It's reading and reacting. 
And so at the start of this video, I show you momentum imploding, value holding up. So there's definite rotation. Now, if momentum imploding drags down the whole market, value will break too. But if this is just wild volatility and rotation, then 2020 was the year of momentum stocks and 2021 will be the year of the commodity super cycle, which people like to call value. So be careful what we look at when we say value. I'm not talking about buying a beat up company with terrible business model because it's value. I'm talking about buying um, really the commodity super cycle is what I think is, is, on, is at our front door. You know, the first double off the bottom, I, I don't mind missing that, okay? I know that sounds crazy, but I'm making money in other places on um, XOP, for instance. Okay, I know. We all talked about it here. Some of you guys got energy, and I'm proud of you. Well done. I don't have to get the first move off the bottom. I was making a lot more money in other names over the last couple of months. But now that rotation is setting in, what I like to do is buy the first pullback to the 50 after a run. So I don't see any pullback yet. But if this thing comes down into this uptrend and down to the 50 and sets up a base, I could see buying that stock. We bought shares of Chevron last week, right? That's a four up and out pattern on Chevron with a fat dividend yield. And that's the kind of stock that we would enhance the dividend by writing covered calls at the right time during the year. So if Chevron pops, we'll write some covered calls and bring in some yield. All right, so that's a thought for you. What's next? Um, okay, hi, Brett. Opinion on Boeing. Um, you could buy you, you could buy Boeing. I just I, I think Boeing's a disaster. I don't think the management team's any good. I, 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 if, if, I think there's better places to go with money. So this is, I'm going I'm to throw the flag and say this is an opportunity cost of money question. I could buy Boeing or I could buy GE, right? I think GE is a better company, better management team, better turnaround story. They make all the engines and blah, 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 Boeing, right? So I could look at GE. I could look at Honeywell. Okay. Um, I'd rather own names like that than Boeing. But if those names go up, Boeing probably goes up too. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Boeing. It's just from an opportunity cost of money, I'd rather other names. JMIA. All right. Let me just say this on JMIA and any of the other names I'm about to get to as we go through it. The, the hot stocks of 2020, I do not think will be, the, will be the right stocks for 2021. Doesn't mean you can't day trade it. Doesn't mean you can't swing trade it and make money. But bigger picture investing opinion, reward to risk and probabilities, putting all that together I don't think that the hot stocks of 2020 are the right stocks for 2021. That's my base opinion. And so when I'm building my whiteboard, I'm looking for better reward to risk names. Now let's go look at the chart. So I get the story. I know it's great. It's Africa. It's Germany. I get the whole thing. Okay. It's breaking down below the 50. I would need a better pattern. And this is the other thought I want to share with you on all of these patterns. I know all of you are excited to get a shot at what you think is cheap on these type of momentum names. We don't, the armor report buys weakness in the midst of strength 
but we buy top day strength. The armor investing way, we find strength, okay? So you've got strength in JMIA, which is this run-up. We buy weakness, okay? We've got the weakness now. We're looking for the entry point. But we buy top day strength. We don't catch a falling knife because that cuts off your fingers. So what I need now is a consolidation pattern on JMIA that would make me want to own it. And right now I don't see that. Okay? So we have to you know, put it on your whiteboard and wait for a better entry point. SDGR. Oh, God. Boy, did I miss that one. We had this beautiful double bottom set up. And it's like the bane of my existence all the way up. But I'm certainly not paying for it up here. So I got nothing to say for you there. If you own it, well done, Bruno. Kathy Wood's more confident than ever. <laughs> all right. So let me just shift over to this. Um, Joe, I was kind of making a, a little bit of a joke there. Kathy Wood's building her reputation on buying disruptive growth stocks and building an investment vehicle called the ARC Funds, where she's collecting billions of dollars to manage, and she's collecting a fee to manage it. And unfortunately, in the world we live in, that will be the last person to get out of the market as it's imploding. There's no way she'll raise a bunch of cash, right? What's her axe? Her axe is she's getting paid to manage money. Don't ever forget that. Some Armor Insider, I can't remember who you are, forgive me. I would love to give you credit for this. But he said it great on Friday in our Slack room. Kathy Wood and the ARC funds is very reminiscent of the Janus funds during the internet boom. Everybody was quoting Janus. Janus funds are great because they were buying all the internet stocks and they were making everybody a fortune. And when it reversed and the NASDAQ dropped 50% in two months in the year 2000 and imploded again in 2001, Janus almost went out of business. I forget exactly how the story ended, but it was ugly for Janus. Okay, so if Kathy Wood ever came on TV and actually said she's raising massive amounts of cash and selling all of her positions, I would be shocked. She's never going to say it. There'll be a big round trip for Kathy is my guess. And I mean no disrespect to Kathy. It's just the nature of the beast. And she's, the, the beast eventually becomes so big that she's going to have such huge positions in stocks. Who is she going to sell them to? She's got a massive position, for instance, in nano dimensions. Who's going to buy that from her if the market implodes? Nobody. Stock will go from 10 to 2 again. And there'll be nobody there to buy her shares if she's trying to puke them out. So the gorilla will look great as long as the market stays intact. Just remember that, you know. Um, CRISPR, what do I think of CRISPR? All right, well, now, CRISPR, you know, I, I like the CRISPR idea. This was the original breakout, okay? It ripped higher, and it's round-tripping back to the 200-day moving average. So we put that on our list. If you like CRISPR, 
you've got the strength, you've got the weakness. Now you need a pattern that gives you top day strength, something that makes you want to buy it, not just the fact that it's collapsed. Um, what was the cannabis stock you mentioned, but didn't say which a couple weeks ago that you started to position in? <laughs> I'm, I'm still not going to share my, uh, my thought there. It's really for Armour Insiders. And um, truth be told, uh, we don't own the stock right now, so you're not missing anything. You know, we bought it. It went up a little bit. We sold it when the whole thing was unraveling, and I'm still doing research on it. So, um and I don't mean to, to be unkind here. It's just, it's a small cap, micro cap stock. And I don't, first of all, I don't own it. Second of all, the last thing I want to do on Twitter um, and, and, and stock twits and YouTube is tout a small cap, micro cap stock. It's just inappropriate. So I share it with Armour Insiders because I'm building a position in my own portfolio and I share my, what I'm doing personally I share with Armour Insiders through our spreadsheet, right? I show them this is the swing portfolio. This is the invest portfolio. This is what I've bought. This is the stop. This is the target. Okay, coming soon to a theater near you. I'm going to start showing you guys targets for the swing portfolio so you know where I'll be booking profits on the upside. Um, so that's why I'm not sharing that information right now. Okay, if it ever becomes relevant, I'll certainly share it on YouTube, but not right now. All right, um, NTR. Don't know that name. I'd have to do research for you. Do you worry about stop loss rating by hedge funds? Not sure what you mean there. Um, sometimes my stop will get tripped. So every, it, it's true. You, you, there could be a stop hunt that goes on. I don't mind. I shoot first. I ask questions later. So I'll get stopped out of something. If it doesn't go lower, I can easily buy it back two or three, day, two or three trading days later, and I'll buy twice the size because it'll prove to me that the weak holders have been shaken out and there's no one left to sell. And so I'll increase the position size and buy it back. This is something I might do in Pinterest, for instance. Okay? So I don't worry too much about something that I can't possibly know, which is hedge funds trying to trip me out. I don't know. I just read and react. If I get tripped out and the stock doesn't go lower, I'll buy the stock back at increased position size. Uh, thoughts on, on CMPS? Compass Pathways. I don't know Compass. I have to do some research. I don't know it at all. I try not to speak about something. I don't know it. I'm thinking it can be similar trajectory as GWPH. Psychedelic therapy. Oh, so are these guys making, um, is this a mushroom play? I mean, I got no interest in psychedelics. I'm, I, I, there's so much money that I'm going to make, that we're going to make in cannabis I don't need to go to the outer rim of, of the universe and start buying psychedelics. That's my opinion. That's just my opinion. I'm not doing that with my money. 
Not that it won't work. You could be right. It's an opportunity cost of money. I look at my portfolio. How much can I allocate to cannabis slash psychedelics? Maybe 30% of my net worth. I got so many cannabis names I want to own. I can't even get to psychedelics. I, I like investing in companies where the revenue and earnings are starting to skyrocket, where the business is about to open, where institutions are about to, to pile in. I don't see institutions running after psychedelics. That's my opinion. I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong on all of this. <laughs> okay? Just sharing my thoughts with you. All right. Exited TBT. For 400%. Sold COPX. Still hold IWM. Like two. 400% in TBT. How did you make 400% in TBT? 16 to, I don't know what that means, 400%. But whatever. Maybe maybe you had options on it or something. Um, COPX. Copper miners. Good for you. Copper miners. Looks good. KLR. I don't know that one. I'll have to take a look. Hmm. It's a tiny micro cap. I can't really get involved in that. The, ma- the market cap is $550 million on KLR. So you're, you're welcome to do that kind of stuff, but I, I can't, you know... Um, Look, if I was managing a portfolio of five or $10,000, I could buy a stock like that. But when I'm managing a portfolio of millions, I can't buy a stock like that. So it, you know, it just, it stops me out from getting involved in something that's too micro cap. I need liquidity and safety to protect my capital. So, um, but I wish you the best of luck in that for sure. Facebook. All right, let's take a look. I'll talk about Facebook. Let's talk about it. Facebook. Oh, I mean, no one's talking about it because it's wildly underperformed the markets in September. That's why no one's talking about it. You put up Facebook and then you look at Google and, you know, there's, there's the relative strength, right? I mean, so it's an opportunity cost of money. Where What are the best FANG stocks to own? I mean, I'd rather own... Netflix, if I'm going to put money in, 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 a, in a FANG stock, and then this should be moved down like that. I think Netflix, you know, I'd rather own that chart pattern. But I hear you. I mean, Facebook, you know, could be. Could be undervalued. I'll, I'll put it on my list to watch. Tech Monkey, Deb, nice to see you. Always glad to see you, Deb. Always glad. My thoughts on lithium stocks. At this stage in the market, I'm not chasing any concept ideas. So these stocks have had ridiculous runs, and they're off my whiteboard. I don't have any interest in looking at them. Okay, I'm looking for the right reward-to-risk setups. Now, if you tell me you want to day trade the lithium stocks, have at it. Right? There's a whole different list of stocks. In fact, that's a good, I'm glad you brought that up. You guys ask me questions, and I'm usually answering those questions from an investing point of view. So I have three portfolios. I got day trading, swing trading, investing. And I usually come at these conversations from an investing conservative point of view. But 
if I'm not willing to invest in an idea, it might go into my day trading basket because wild volatility is great for the day trader. Okay? In fact, um, I know it's late in this game here, but let me just share with you a couple of charts. I meant to do this earlier. I totally forgot, but the day trading setup that we use is so, and this is probably the wrong time to be doing this, but for those of you who are still here, here's an example of how we like to day trade. Okay, this is what we look for um, from a day trading point of view. So we use spot gamma information. <clears throat> I, I should probably just do a short video about this and share these two names. Maybe I'll do that. But just for those of you who are here right now, I'll share it. This is a simple um, strategy we use on our day trading desk every single morning. This is what we look for. Okay, we don't get all these trades, but this is the setup we look for. You can't trade everything. But this is such a beautiful example of what we look for. This is prior days VWAP. This is a three-minute chart. This black line is the armor, and all of these lines are the armor algorithm for day trading. We want to see the asset above prior days VWAP. It gapped up in the morning above it. Pull back to test the low and close the gap. And this, Stephen, gets to your gap question. I think gaps gets closed on an intraday basis more, more so than a daily or a weekly basis. Anyway, um, the step, step two is to have the asset go back above top day VWAP and prior VWAP, proving where the support is. If that all happens right at the key spot gamma pivot, which was 75, you buy the first close above that area, which is right here, and you have an unbelievable rip in the stock. That's what we look for every morning in our day trading room. Here's another example that happened on Friday. Oops, DraftKings. Exact same strategy. Look at this pattern. You almost wouldn't know what the stock was at the beginning. Opened above prior day's VWAP, came down, closed the gap, traded above the key spot gamma pivot of 60 as it went above the armor VWAP. Now it's above both VWAPs and above the pivot all at one time. And the stock goes from 60 up to 60, um, 62 and change for a great day trade. So anyway, those are, those are the stocks we try to day trade. And I'd be happy to put lithium on my list of day trading stocks. SII. All right, I'll take a look at it. Interesting. So this is Sprott. You can buy all of Sprott. Asset manager. What an interesting idea you got here. Who is this? J. Allen J. Ooh, I like this idea. Buy the, buy the Sprott management company. Huh. What a brilliant idea. Huh, I'm like I'm I'm speechless. This is a great idea. I didn't even realize this company existed as a public company. Look at the chart. It's just coming out. Well, I got to write that down. 
S-I-I. I love that idea. Wow. I'm going to have to do some work on that. Thanks for that idea there. S-B-W-B. S-B-S-W. Ibane Stillwater. South African company engaged in exploration extract of gold in South Africa. I just don't need a South African company, brother. I just don't need it. There's too many other gold stocks I'd rather own. Stock looks great, though. Certainly outperforming a lot of the stocks that I'd rather own. So I can't argue with you there. All right. Thoughts on RTX, blowout earnings, special dividend. Yeah. RKX. RKT. I don't know, man. I'm going to have to do some more work on that. I'll have to listen to the conference call, Ufinity. I'm going to listen to that conference call and take a look. RKT. I know there's a lot of questions about it. And uh, we've got time. If that earnings announcement's real and it's really worth it, um, you know, we'll have time to buy that. So I'll, I'll do some work on that. Thanks for the idea. Why did they hemis precious mouth? All right. What do you think the safest place? ID Doc, how are you, Mo? To be at the time for turbulence, cash, present of Bitcoin, commodities, real estate. All right. So for me right now, Mo, cash is the answer. I'm holding cash. And I don't know what's going to happen next. I do think precious metals are a place to be, but gold looks god awful. So silvers, um, I, I have no interest in, in, in Bitcoin at this point. Um, but the number one Bitcoin stock for me has got to be MicroStrategy. This is a real company, okay, with a real earnings and real revenues that happens to have massive amounts of Bitcoin on their balance sheet. But look at that ending pennant formation triangle island reversal. This is an island top of epic proportion, a gap up and a gap down, leaving an island of people trapped. The stock has dropped 50% from its highs. This is a harbinger to me of Bitcoin in general. This is the stock to watch, in my opinion, for Bitcoin. So no interest in Bitcoin at this point. Why do they hammer precious metals? Mo, I'm going to have to do for you. I know you're an armor insider, so I'll share this with insiders. I'll probably do a, a precious metals video for everybody so you understand what's going on. There is, I can't do it right now. I'll share it with you probably next week. Okay. I'll certainly share it before we start buying them again. Um, but there are manipul the best way to explain it, Mo, is there are manipulation reasons between now and June, but the big banks want to get themselves in position before they revalue the metal. I think between now and June, there'll be an entry point and the revaluation will begin. That's my opinion. I could be wrong. Cash right now is where I want to be. Mo, I like to follow the armor investing way. It's a three-stage process. Cash is where I'm at right now. I might put a lot of that cash to work next week and follow the discipline. Okay. For Armor Insiders, cherry picking the stocks that I'm buying off of my spreadsheet is probably the wrong way to go. The idea is to put ourselves on the right side of probabilities when statistics 
and, and statistics when, when rewards worth the risk. If you just look at what I'm adding and say, oh, I like that name and that name and put all your money in those two names, those could be the two names that go down. We need 10 stocks or 20 stocks and then follow our discipline to completion and look at the statistical performance. That's what we're doing, right? And that's why cherry picking can be dangerous. Okay, NTR, uh, uh, NTR. Hi. Um, yeah, I'm, is this a potash stock? Fertilizer, yeah. Not a, not a, not a bad idea. I mean, the chart pattern doesn't, you know, get me too excited here. It's just, it's run right up into its overhead and now it has to set up a, a, a pattern, but certainly not a bad idea. It's commodities, commodity. I think commodities super cycles upon us. I'm trying to find a way in. Sit on the potash couch. <laughs> William Davies. Thank you for that information. I, I'm SII uh, is something I'm going to have to really pay attention to. I'm going to have to get on some conference calls and understand what's going on there. Cause I, I really um, respect the Sprott. Um, the Sprott machine and might want to invest with them. Thoughts on uh, Apple looks terrible, right? So we had a position on here in the armor report. It ran up. We raised our stops. We booked our profits. Probably I think it was right here. When the thing broke below the 50, you can't own it anymore. That just looks like a terrible double top. And Tesla, a lot of this run up and give back had to do with being added to the S&P. And so I think I read now that, you know, the whole thing has been unwound, got added to the S&P. It ran up. Now it's been unwound. It's come back and we need to look at a whole new pattern. But a break below the 50 is a warning sign. And it's something I have no interest in investing in. My favorite long term stocks. I don't think of any of my stocks as long term. I let the market tell me what my stocks are going to end up being long term. When I buy a stock, I don't know if it's long-term or not because I use stop losses to protect my capital. A year later, I look back and say, that's the stock that ended up being long-term? I'm shocked. It's never the one I think. So I don't like to think in those terms. I like to think in terms of buying weakness in the midst of strength. When I have top-day strength, it's a company that's on my whiteboard. I've done the fundamental research. I want to own it. I put it in the portfolio, and then the market tells me, how long I get to hold it. Okay. And on that stock and that stock and on that thought, I want to wish you all a great weekend, safe trading next week. Armor insiders. I'll see you bright and early eight 30 for our morning meeting Monday morning. Okay. Thanks for being here guys. I really appreciate it. Take care. <laughs>